¿Qué ondas, primos y primas? And welcome to my Primos Podcast. Uh, this episode is a little bit of a sneak peek of us coming back to our regularly scheduled weekly episodes. Uh, we'll have Walter back, we'll have the primas back, and just have a regular, just fun like we always do. I want to thank everybody for still following us online at My Primos Podcast and checking in with us. Yes, we're still doing a show. We're still, you know, having conversations. Just, you know, life happens and kind of slows us down. But uh, tonight's show is going to be a one-on-one between me and Javier Hernandez, the creator of El Muerto, also co-creator of Latino Comics Expo, and just uh, all-around awesome primo. Uh, this is his second visit on the show. Uh, we talk about, um, you know, him and his inspirations, what he's working on, uh, what it's like to be an artist and have someone look up to you and ask questions. Just a, a great experience overall. Uh, I think you guys will really enjoy the show. Uh, and I had a blast doing it. It's always fun talking to another creator, especially someone that's been with us since the beginning and still kind of supports us on his level as well. Uh, you guys should follow Javier at Javier Los Comex. And that's on Instagram. And of course, his website is Habzilla, which is J-A-V-Z-I-L-L-A.com. Habzilla.com, where you can look at all his products, uh, look at what he's working on, his blogs, check out his classes. He'll cover that in his interview here with us. But Fimos, check us out, of course, on all, all social media, as well as Javier. And just uh, enjoy the show and let us know what you think. Adios. Hola, Freddy. Hey, Javier. What's up, man? Very good, man. Good to talk to you again. Definitely, man. Feels like, like, was it Latino Comic Con here in Dallas was what, July? So. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, man. It feels like forever ago. I actually forgot about that. I was thinking like when we talked on the phone like last year. <laughs> Damn, man. I guess, I, didn't, I guess we didn't make a good enough impression. No, my first impression of you guys is two guys off the, um, you know, a voice in my earpiece. That's, so, oh, well, yeah, yeah. But uh, we got to hang out at, uh, you know, Latino Comic Con over there. The after party was dope. It was fun. Um, yeah, man, I had a blast meeting everybody there. I made some connections, and uh, I'm glad you're you're back. You know, I definitely appreciate you still keeping us in mind, man. Oh, of course, absolutely. You guys are fun to talk to, and um, you know, always got, I always got something to say. So <laughs> perfect, dude. You we're fit. a good mix. Yeah, exactly. You fit, man. That's why you're a primo. You know, you're right there with us. But tonight it's just me and you. Uh, Walter just had a baby, uh, oh, so okay. he's uh, taking his uh, his baby bonding time. You know, we're letting that yes, letting that go a little bit. Uh, you know, we're we're all about progression here and letting letting everybody be with their family. So Walter will come back soon. Uh, he's yeah, been, no, uh, no, familia is very important. Oh yeah, man, definitely. You know and. You know, we had to reschedule our, our annual, you know, conversation. I wanted to make it right before Dia de los Muertos, but now we're doing this right after. Uh, yep. Because I was spending time with my kid. You know, he had to go do trick-or-treating, and I tried to cut it short. But, you know, at the end of the day, like you said, in La Familia is where it really matters first. And uh, Oh, yeah, man. Yeah, that, that'd be a big old guilt trip if you told me, <laughs> yeah, I cut it short to talk to you. Like, damn. <laughs> like, you better, no pressure, right? <laughs> a great interview. I better, I better have I better have some exclusives or something. You, you know? better have like some exclusive shit where like I'm be like I'm the first one. I'm gonna go viral with this shit. You know what I mean? Uh, I would have lied and made up stuff like yeah, I got an animated Muerto right? on Netflix coming out next week, and uh, we're making a Muerto amusement park out Ooh, here. That'd in Anaheim, be great. So. That'd be great, man. <laughs> Imagine it's like a pop up amusement park, a feria, like a like a three day only festival for El Muerto. That'd be kind of dope, you know? Be like oh, bury, bury your friend. <laughs> Yeah, that's brilliant. A feria <laughs> is a pop-up. Hey, I never thought about that. They are pop-up amusement parks. They are. They're pop-up wow. like, pop-up restaurants, pop-up this, pop-up art galleries, pop-up amusement park. You have a feria right then and there. You say, hey, look, you get a guy that sells tamales, raspados, and somebody, like three drunk friends that can play guitar, you have yeah. a feria. Like, you're ready to go. Yeah. We, we were doing pop-up before pop-up was a word. There I you think go, about man. That. There you go. You were doing it. We were all doing it. Yeah, man, bury a friend, you know, who knows, we'll see what happens, <laughs> interesting kind of kind of ride, you know? Oh, yeah, the macabre and the uh, bizarre <laughs> side by side. No, but that's that's the thing, right? Like, not only, 
talking about El Muerto, but, you know, we're going to get right into it, you, Javier, and just, again, welcome, primos, to my primos podcast. Uh, my name is Freddy. Tonight with me, I have Javier Hernandez. Welcome, welcome him back to the show, and we want to talk about, you know, what's new for Javier himself. You know, we're not only El Muerto, of course, because that's like, my, I'm a big fanboy for that, but we also have other works you've been doing, you know, have new stuff hopefully coming out, as well as kind of, I want to touch on... Some of the things you're doing in the community too, Javier. Like I've been seeing a lot more of you really involved with, you know, teaching younger kids and really putting yourself out there in that avenue. So I kind of want to touch on all that with you tonight. Mm-hmm. Sure. Definitely. Absolutely. Yeah, I, I've actually been teaching for gee, I think now it's about 15 years, 16 years, and um, yeah, it's been particularly busy this last uh, this fall because I, I was teaching two classes. Uh, so Monday and the, so actually the Monday's class ended today. It's a ten week class. Um, so just so your the, the list of the the readers, the <laughs> listeners know. So yeah, yeah, I'm an independent contractor. We call it out here in California, independent contract teacher. So you know, I get hired uh, by various groups, entities all the time to go and teach. Sometimes I teach one day workshops at libraries or, or museums. Uh, but out here in LA, like I'm sure any major city. We got a ton of nonprofit groups working where they work in unison with the uh, Los Angeles school district sometimes to provide art because there's not a lot of art in the actual classrooms nowadays. Uh, it's probably been like that for a while. Um, yeah, so, yeah. yeah, so th these organizations, they partner up with schools and whatever, and um, they bring art. And then these the organizations, they hire different type of artists. So, of course, they have people who teach uh, painting, uh, design, Writing, dance, music, all kinds of arts. But you know, I come in with my specialty. Like, oh hi, I, I teach. You know, I make comics. I teach comics. Like, oh, that's. It's always like, a, oh, that's great. We don't have that, and mm -hmm. um, a lot of the students, the kids are always into into that stuff. So, I got a little bit of a niche uh, field of expertise. Hey, man, uh, use so, it, yeah. shit. You know, like yeah. use it yeah. as much as possible. And on that, I was gonna ask you. So. Is it that someone like just took a shot in the dark and went, "Hey Javier, would you mind giving it a shot?" And that's how the ball started rolling. Or did you say, "You know what? Let me put myself out there and and kind of get into that scene." Like, how did you even start with that fifteen years ago? Yeah, because by then I was already doing the comic mm -hmm. for about six years. The comic started in '98, but and I was working uh, in the um, screen print screen print business. You know, companies that print decals and they print signs so I was working in an art department but mm -hmm. um, I, I guess for now it's now I call it fortunately but back in 2008 a <laughs> uh, little history lesson when the economy was just you know every day you'd turn on the news and like 10,000 layoffs at Sears and t yeah. the next night 5,000 lay you know the economy was just tanking so my little uh, company I, I worked at you know one day they called about 10 of us in Hey guys, sorry, you know, blah blah blah. The economy, yeah, we, we don't have the work, <laughs> so we have to let you guys go. So, I was kind of devastated because you know, at your, you know, when you're an adult and everything, it's like, man, you got a job, you got a full time job, you got a benefits, you know, security, whatever. And it was, so it was pretty shocking. And at the same time, it's like, okay, now's my chance. You know, I've always told myself I want to quit working for somebody else. And really, just throw myself full time into my work, my comic art, my art, and I, I started teaching workshops at the time because it was just extra money. Like, hey, I can teach a workshop at a local community center. But when I got laid off, I go, okay, you know what? I'm gonna take this teaching aspect of mine and just expand it. I'm gonna go out mm. to more places, hit up, you know, not just little community centers, but these nonprofit organizations and da da da. So it, it was uh, initially I did it on my own. Uh, just, you know, as a little side venture, but out of necessity, uh, Freddie, it really was for me, like, okay, this is the chance where I can go out and try to make a career out of this, um, because as you know, most, you know, all, all, all of the adults out there know, it's not easy to leave a job when you got a job, but you have a dream you want to do, because, you know, yeah, especially especially those of you with kids, like, yeah, you don't want to take, you know, you don't you want to keep... It's scary, man, like, you know, the, like, real talk, right, like, in, regardless... Everybody has a situation, right? Like, I can't look at you and go, oh, man, Javier made it because he didn't have that responsibility. Well, bullshit. He probably had to starve a little bit. He probably had to, 
go without certain things, right? Like, or people. Yeah, would... definitely had to tighten your belt, as you say. Yeah. Exactly, man. I mean, I always admire someone that can throw themselves into their work and literally, like, but hold on. Like, you tell me, all right? So you've done it, okay? And that's what I'm trying to get at. You hear people say, now that this is all I can do to survive, that's when I'm producing the most. Is that what happened with you? Or, I mean, kind of, or did you already have that hustle, but the job was just in the way? Yeah, no, exactly. Yeah, that is kind of funny. The job is, yeah, you're right. You look at the job as a necessity, mm-hmm. but at the same time, if it's your art life you want to live, then yeah, the day job, <laughs> yeah. the regular job is in the way. But it did take the thing of getting laid off because, like, on my own, I didn't want to do that. I didn't want to walk away from a job with insurance. He told us so. So, like I said, I'm glad for myself that that happened. I mean, it's a terrible thing for people, I'm sure. I'm sure there's a lot of people that haven't recovered from 2008, if you look at the homeless situation, but, yeah. um, but anyway, so yeah, I focused myself on teaching, and like I said, I, I've been working with these organizations, these uh, non-profit, uh, I'm not even sure what to call them, but um, these art groups, so yeah, and it's very enriching, you know, I'll, I'll teach like 10-week courses, 16-week courses. Um, What's the feedback, some, Javier, yeah. like, and I hate to cut you off, but like, I want to know what the what are the age ranges that you really work with? Is it just like a big different, like a big, huge group of kids? Is it like junior high, high school? Like what do you work with usually? It's always different. You know, uh, like if a librarian calls me, they go, hey, I'm the children's librarian. We'd like you to do your one-hour program. So they usually market their programs to, uh, you know, kids, whatever. Uh, yeah. I guess, I don't know, 8 to 13 maybe, 8 to 12. Mm-hmm. And then sometimes they get the high school uh, librarian, like, hey, we'd like you to come and teach our teen program. So then, you know, they market to teens. But I, my class, if anyone ever has the chance to see one, it's it's almost the same class if it's a one-hour class. Just same less class from Ah, exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> no, but the content is pretty, you know, basic. Storytelling, this and that. So, um, yeah, I just kind of changed up my act a bit. Yeah. You know, part of my teaching, I learned. I had to learn it for a few sessions in the beginning, but it's teaching, it's instruction, but it's also like an act. How should I put it? Like a, a performance art. Yes. Yes. You know, I'm up yes. there like, you know, trying to do little wisecrack jokes, get the kids involved and, you know, kind of riff off if some kids said something, I might riff off of that. So it keeps it engaged. And But I make damn sure that, you know, these kids leave the, the hour or the 10 weeks, whatever it is, yeah. with something new, something they learn, something that's going to, you know, if you really want to pursue the comics storytelling, it's going to push them forward a little bit so um yeah i love doing this it's, no it's it's, it's really it's great to see it man because you always i mean at least me from this side of it the fan if you would i'm a creator in my own right but nothing like you guys and i talked about you and the group around you you know you have been with the work you've done with the conventions you, you you've been involved with the groups you're involved with just the friendships you've made with this industry you all have that like motor, right? That engine, that hey, the next, the next thing. What's the next thing? I gotta, I live, eat, and breathe by this thing. And you're self-published, right? You self-market. Mm-hmm. You are your own hype machine. You're, you're out there doing the work, man. Like no, there's, it's just you are this, you are this company. You are Los Comex, right? And I gotta admire that, man. It's not easy at all. So again, always toot that horn, man. You. You are showing, sharing your knowledge to these kids, even if it's just to have a little bit of, I don't know, it's cool to bring someone in that has that trajectory. So I really like to hear that story about you. Yeah, thanks. Thank you. Appreciate that. You know, a few years ago, uh, I was at one of our Latino comics expos, and I was talking to some people at my table, and then there was this uh, kid, like a young college kid, and his, I guess his dad off to the side, and then they came up to my table, and the kid's all like, Hey, uh, you're not going to remember me, but like, uh, you know, what is it? Five, six, eight years ago, I had your class here at the local uh, community center. And now I'm studying, um, I think he's studying animation, I think, at uh, East LA College. He goes. And one, you know, the other day, the teacher was going over some things on storytelling. And then I remembered that it was the stuff that you were talking about all those years ago. (laughs) And I was like, wow. And I looked at his dad. I go, look, Dad, that was the best 45 bucks you ever spent. <laughs> like, that's what the, I think the, that's probably what that class cost at the right. time. It was like a three-week right. class. But anyway, that made me feel – that was nice to hear because it's like, yeah, like I just told you, I'm just showing these kids the fundamentals, and any other professional instructor 
is going to cover those as well. But, you know, obviously it was a college class, so I'm sure they were more advanced. But I'm so glad that he rem- he thought back to whatever, eight, ten years before when he, he was just a little kid taking a, this little comic book class here at the uh, Pico Rivera, uh, you know, park. <laughs> park. Park there. You know, with the younger, you know, crowds coming up now, like the younger creators, you know, we, we know a few of them that are friends here at the show as well. Like, you know, we have... Hector, creator of El Peso Hero. You have Gonzalo at Football Man. You yep. have a lot of guys from Five Meets, you know, with, with their work. Um, you know, when we were at Latino Comic Con, a lot of these guys flock to you, the younger guys, and they come to you for, you know, advice. Does that happen often? Or do you feel like, damn, like, or do you, like, me and Walter once talked about imposter syndrome, right? <laughs> Where, like, right. you're like, fuck, do I really deserve this admiration? Like, you guys are coming to the wrong dude. Like, do you ever feel like, hey, like, okay, cool, yeah, I'm here for that knowledge to help the younger guys come up? Or do you ever kind of go like, oh, shit, why are you talking to me about this? No, no. So when people either email me or, like you said, they come up at a show, particularly, you know, other artists, and they're trying to start their, you know, uh, career. No, I mean, if they have quite, you know, they let me know, hey, they're starting. I go, oh, that's great. You know, what are you doing? Where where are you at? Yeah. You know, what stage are you at? And, um, no, I, I just hear the info. I don't look at it like... Uh, that and um, yeah, the imposter syndrome. I get that, but I think you do that maybe the first time you get asked. But after that, I mean, you should you should, you you should get over yourself by that point. You should meaning you should get over the fact that oh, golly gee whiz, people like me. It's like <laughs> you know, you you are obviously aware. I know I am. I've been around yeah. at least doing this professionally twenty one years. Um, so. Yeah, no, I, I don't. I don't really gush about it like that. Um, no, I just I, answer the question. I do get a lot of questions though, sometimes on email or Facebook, whatever. And you can tell they're very young. I mean, probably early twenties, and they're like, "Oh, Mr. Hernandez, uh, I have a question on uh, how to self-publish." And I'm like, "Oh man, come on! That's like a five-hour." <laughs> like you don't have. Like, I don't have time to sit here and tell you the. That's a, that's yeah. a five-hour course. Well, I told the guy. I told the person. I go. I write back, uh, okay, where exactly are you at? Like, what stage? Are you sitting there dreaming about doing this? Do you have your layouts done? Did you type a script? Mm-hmm. Are you half? Are you halfway done with a comic, but now you have questions? If you tell me what stage you're at, I'll be able to at least give you a little quick answer. Uh, but yeah, you know, well, I get those are impossible questions. Well, let me ask it's you little, this. Well, yeah. So you say that's an impossible question, but what's a question that you just don't even bother answering? Like, you know, because, like, for example, people, and I'm, oh. not, I'm not I'm not tooting my own horn, but someone will come to me, like, hey, man, like, how do you, like, how do you do it? How do you st- do a podcast? And I'm like, <sighs> well, I'm <laughs> yeah. like, oh, man, like, kind of like, you're like, well, you start with the mic and yeah, know, something to I say. Know. You know, like, told me, what's one question you kind of don't even, like, oh, come on, this is a, either a question that doesn't even, like, you hate to answer or don't even bother answering? Uh, well, I'll figure out some answer, but, I mean, um, <laughs> I'm trying to think. I guess the one that's uh, well, that's, that could be a harsh answer if I answer it wrong. Okay, all right. I, guess, I won't put you. On no, the spot. no, 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 no. It's important. <laughs> no, it's important though. It's like, it, I guess it'd be like, oh, I, I can't get motivated. Mm. It's, it's like, well, I mean, okay, well, once you get motivated, you have a quit. Let me know. I mean, you know, I, 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 again, I, like I said, that's a good question, but the answer could come off really you know, like a jerk. I but. love it. No, no, I love it because it's real, right? Like we're talking like real, like. Oh man, Javier, how can I get motivated? Oh well, fuck, uh, I don't know, man. I, exactly. Like, but really, how do the, you? But the worst question really is the that super broad question, like, oh, how do I do this? How do I pop? like? That's yeah. too big a question. Yeah. So I guess that's probably the one. Um, <laughs> but the uh, esoteric was like, oh, I can't find my motivation. Like, well, gee, I can't, uh, you know. God. Well, let's get a psychiatrist in here. Hey, what what happened to you at work last night? Or right. 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 Exactly. It's a crazy. But talking about work and doing that, I mean. You know, uh, I want to talk about what's new. Like, what... hey, really quick, really yeah, quick. I, I I thought of something. Sure. So what? What? Like, you're asking me what question is? I won't say hate. I hate such a strong word. Okay, annoying um, or like no, no, boring. no, uh, no, not even those. I'll just say one time I've had I've been asked by a couple of people like, oh, can I send you my uh, script? Oh, okay. Right, like a PDF okay. or whatever. First of all, that's the word. Like, do not send me PDFs. I hate reading on. I hate reading like multiple pages on a computer. Mm-hmm. Like I don't mind reading a news story or whatever, but I'm not gonna read a thirty. Give me print it out. But having said that, I told the person and they were very disheartened. Mm-hmm. And I wasn't being. I go, you know what? 
whatever your script is, your story is, like, just do it. Let me see the actual comic. Like, mm, I don't yeah. think I'm a good... I, I don't have the patience, and I don't think I'm just... That's not my strong suit, like, to, to look at your script and tell you, yeah, this is a good sci-fi story, this is a good horror story, because maybe to you it is a good one, right? So if I say it's not a good one, uh, who am I to say that? Or maybe I have a different opinion of what pacing should look like or suspense versus you. So don't show, you know, I, I don't want to see it at that stage. I'd rather, I always encourage people, just do your thing like I did a lot of other people do. Just do it and then uh, let me buy a copy or send me a copy or we'll trade or something. Yeah. You know, I know I know what they're asking for though. And I don't, you know, hey, I just want to make sure it looks right. I want to, I go, yeah, but you know, I, I don't really want that editor job. I don't want that. Mm. I, I, yeah. But maybe, maybe they, they feel like unpaid or anything. No, 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 definitely. I mean, the one, listen, let's be real, right? It's work. It's work. It's work reading someone's work. You're putting time. You're spending an hour, 40 minutes of yeah. your time that you could be working on something else, right? And then secondly, like you said, do you really want the pressure? And I don't know if you have that, like, like to call a guy or email like a kid back in his 20s, like, that for whatever reason thinks, dude, if Javier shoots me down, I'm quitting comics forever. You know, like... Oh, yeah, that'd be horrible, horrible yeah. Right? Like they thought not, that. You know, I never want to put that on you, but I'm saying, like, I get it. Like, get that pressure, like... Well, shit, like, but I like your message. Even from when we talked the very, very, very first time on our show, you said, all I can say is just go do it, right? That's the big thing. It's like, go I do mean, it. Yeah. I can help you along the way, like, steps to do it, like you said, but do it. Because what if I hate it, but the dude next to me fucking loves it, right? Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Yeah. That's what it is with anything you creative. You know, I, I do this show. Me and my cousins, we talk about the most random things. And, you know, our conversations go left and right, but people still want to listen. You know, we still get calls and emails. Yep. Like, hey, where are you guys at? You know, and, and it makes me feel like hey, that's kind of cool because someone still wants to listen to me fucking blather on about the most random things. Uh, but, you know, I I wanted to ask you because the last time we met, you said you were working on something new. I know you were trying to you, you've always mentioned making the Muerto verse kind of this this long, you know, trajectory with the books and i want to know kind of what's next for you for you like what's the next thing you're working on what's what can we as the fans uh, look forward to from javier well the most recent thing i did was uh i did this uh christmas comic called uh, the night before navidad so it's actually an old poem i wrote probably back in uh 2005 it's like you know it's oh. kind of a riff off the night before uh no was it the night before christmas yeah yeah so mine's called The Night Before Navidad. Um, so I wrote it in 2005, and then in 2004, no, 2014, I missed, get all the dates and stuff. Uh, <laughs> I, I illustrated it. So it's like a little seven-page uh, comic. And um, this, a few weeks ago, I did a new version of it. Um, yeah, it's like a second edition of it. Um, so, yeah, that's brand new. Uh, maybe Maybe at the end of the show I can read it. Oh yeah, let's do it. Yeah, it's a little poem, right? You know, night before was the night before Navidad in the cemetery. But anyway, oh, I'll put cool. that aside for now. Yeah, for sure. Uh, there's your exclusive. Yeah, and um, other than that, I'm working on El Muerto book two. So book one, if uh, people heard our first conversation, yes, it was the debut uh, origin story of El Muerto: Days of the Dead. So book two. Uh, I don't have a title for it yet. Continues right after the very last page of book one, where he ends up—not uh, to spoil it—but he ends up at a circus freak show at the yeah. second part of the book, and then the circus family. A lot of people don't like when they say circus freak. I don't mean it in a bad way, but yeah, the circus performers—they take off, and he's left standing there down in Baja, near Mexicali, and it ends like that. So in the new book, I'll give you a quick little preview of it. Ooh, okay. Uh, Diego's going to drive from Mexicali to Tijuana. He's going to go to Tijuana because he's trying to find a curandero who can hopefully, like he, he thinks, help him with this weird curse he has, this Aztec zombie curse. Um, so if people know the geography down there, there's like this famous uh, highway called La Rumorosa okay. that runs from Mexicali to uh, Tecate and Tijuana. It's kind of way up in the mountains. And, of course, because it's so, you know, like, in real life, it has, like, legends and rumors of 
being haunted and all this stuff. So mm. al- along that way, he he finds a woman. Her car is crashed. He helps her, and it turns out her little newborn baby has been kidnapped oh, wow. by yeah by a Yorona type character. So yeah, I have my own Yorona oh, character. Cool. No, 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 I'm excited. Don't give me too much. Yeah. I, I'm no, no, excited. What? Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I did a little ad for this. Uh, so the the entity's name is called is La Doña Maclovia La Dolente. <laughs> and Diego Almuerto is going to help this uh, young woman try to get her baby back. And another um, character entity in the story is uh, it's from the Aztec mythology. It's a star demon. Ooh. I think it's pronounced as Sisimil. Or Sisi Mil. Um, anyway, so that's the basic story. It's uh, th- th- this book is way more hardcore supernatural, horror, uh, cosmic than the first book. So, yeah, we're gonna up the ante for poor El Muerto here, uh, with the thrills and chills and spills. Well, I'm excited because I, I love El Muerto. Like I, I love you know you were able to to get us copies of the last book. And, you know, reading through with my son, you know, like there were some things that I had to kind of like explain wow. at that point, you know, because there weren't, there were topics that he was just not aware of. He's not, he's 10 years old, you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. But, but I was, at, I was there with him, you know, it's like anything else. You show him the Terminator, you got to, you know, understand, well, hey, this, this, oh. was, this was for its time. This is yeah. what it was. Like he understands, he's able to kind of grasp that it's, it's a comic, it's a book, you know, he understands it. But uh, was there a particular scene that you thought you had to like explain to him or kind of um, anything that stands out? I'm just curious. Uh, stands out well, some of the depression stuff, you know, some of that. Ah, um, yeah, interesting. Because yeah. it took for him at that age, he hasn't reached the point where he's had to deal with a, a, a loss. Yeah, yeah. Um, wow, that's interesting. And we went through it because he was. It's like it's funny because now kids are desensitized, right? Yeah, but yeah. When it when it comes to that, it seemed very like he's like, well, why is he so sad? Like, why is he drinking? Like, what's like what? You oh, know, like, Zach. Like, Zach. Yes. Yeah, Zach. Yeah, and, and you're like, why is he drinking so much? And like, what's that's is he an alcoholic? And I'm like, well, no, it's just this is some people deal with this this way, you know, and. And him just kind of, because, you know, he, like kids, they watch Coco. Coco's a very happy, pleasant afterlife. Yes, right? yes, yes, yes. Right? But then you look at this one and you go, hey, this is a different version, a little darker. And he goes, oh, okay, I, I like it. You know, he likes the darkness of it. He likes that it's more adult, right? And we're, I mean, for the most part, I, I kind of skimmed through some things. Like, oh, let me skip that. Let me skip that. But the action was yeah, there yeah, for yeah, me. Yeah. Like, you had to kind of jump around. But so moving forward... He, he knows who El Muerto is. He knows, you know, uh, kind of why I enjoy it. And he likes, like, the misfits. And he likes, you know, kind of that, uh, that punk music. And he likes that kind of darkness. And yeah, stuff. yeah, so yeah, he, yeah, yeah. So he's my kid, Converted right? Movies. Yeah, yeah he, he loves Jason Voorhees. And, he, you know, he, he, he loves the xenomorph from Aliens and Terminator. So he's like, <laughs> yeah. yeah, he's my kid. But uh, I'm excited for El Muerto because, yeah, like, to be honest, I'm like, okay, cool, like, I want to see something that Muerto can't can't deal with immediately because, don't get me wrong, Muerto has the supernatural strength. You know, he can bring back to life. And I'm curious to see what Muerto's going to come up against another supernatural entity that's going to be like, whoa, this is not easily solved. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's uh, But it's really interesting to hear you. Uh, hear like this father-son uh, dynamic as you're reading to a 10-year-old. That, that's... <laughs> No, that's really good information for me as a, just as the guy who wrote that story. Um, yeah, how you kind of reinterpret stuff for him or explain yeah. it, and it it allows some. I didn't think about this, not to brag, but it it gives you some teaching moments about, like you said, alcohol and people yeah. drinking, you know, drinking for the wrong reason uh, to you know drown your uh, your sorrow. So, yeah, that's well, that's that's some pretty good feedback. Um, yeah. But yeah, book two will be coming along, and well, well, how your kids are gonna grow up to this, with the series now? Oh yeah, now dude. That you men- now that you mention it, yeah, exactly. Um, It'd be great because I grew up with it, you know. And uh, like uh, we mentioned on the past shows and whatnot, like uh, I've been a, fo- a follower of your stuff for a long time. Like I remember picking your stuff up in Frankensons all the way over there in Cali. Damn, that's crazy. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah. And uh, getting to meet you was a big uh, moment for me. Like I said, and I and I love creatives. I love comic books. I love I love obscure stuff, man. And I love you know stuff that you kind of. It's not meant to be uncomfortable, 
but it's meant to make you go, hmm. You know what I mean? Like, and that's what I dig about your work and work like it. Because there's other artists that are still making things that kind of make you go, hmm, and wonder, oh, well, is that you're not a, you're not shying away from it. But the way you've shown your story, it really throws all the humanity in there. But here's some craziness to it. So I kind of dig it. Well, thank you. You know, the, the that humanity word. A few years ago, a friend of mine was talking. I think it was an email. He was just, and he's known me for a while. He's read all my stuff. And he goes, I think he was talking to a friend of his about my work or whatever. But he was just saying, Javier, what I love about your work is, yeah, you can have these dark, scary monsters and supernatural stuff in it and just off-the-wall stuff. But your characters, the good guys at least, you know, they, they always retain their core humanity. And, yeah, that's a really important thing that I think um, after, you know, hearing this over the years, that's something I just strive or I think it's maybe naturally. Like, it, it has to be in there. Like, yeah, you can have all the darkness, but if everything's dark, even the main hero, like where it's ir- ir- irredeemably dark, then what's yeah. the, you know... I don't know. That's that. That'd be like a tough thing to try to slug through. I, I would think for a whole. Well, it is. I give you an example, story. like The Walking Dead, right? So everybody knows mm-hmm. The Walking Dead. Like I read The Walking Dead, and when I got to a certain issue where it was just the most depressing story or scene, I stopped. I'm like I can't go anymore. Like my soul is like wow. I'm burnt out. I'm like right, right. And people are like, oh, it got better, and I go like, I can't. I can't go back into that world because. You've burned every ounce of hope out of it. Like, oh wow! I'm like shit. Like things that I felt were just. Nah, it's, you know, it's the thing. Everybody has their. Uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Like their their limit, I guess you can say. Of like, you know what? Right. Yeah, you you've crossed the line for me on this one. Like I'm 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 done. Like my like, you had uh, like about your books is or your book is just that. You have fun with your work. You can tell it's fun. And even when you do your spin-offs, like the Cochino, you know, Cochinito, the little pig muerto variant <laughs> or or your manga of it, like it's fun stuff in that universe. But when you get to the core of the story, it's it's human nature, right? People want to hold on to something. People want to, you still want a good guy, you know, somewhere in there, you still want some hope. Why am I reading yeah. this book if it's always going to end bad? Yeah, yeah. There's enough of that in real life. Um, Shit, yeah. It's funny you mentioned those two spinoffs because I just realized the, the Cochito and the Manga Muerto. In those little spinoff stories, I think I only do try to focus on the fun stuff. Yeah. Actually, they're more humorous. Those books they're meant for kids all ages. So mm-hmm. in those, I just want to get to the beautiful, fun, uh, the funny gags, the jokes. And the fun stuff. And then when El Muerto, um, let, let me backtrack. So as a kid, let me let me tell you what influenced me as a kid. Okay. Because that'll ex- I think that'll help explain why I do like to do these supernatural worlds with the darkness and then the lightness. So as a kid, you know, I, I love stuff like um, The Addams Family, the old TV show, the black yeah. and white TV show. Yeah. Like there's a show, it's macabre, because right, like, they're kind of freaky monsters and the freaky and they're kooky, like the song the, says, and just a little spooky. Yeah. So, to me, like before Tim Burton came on the scene, to me that was like, okay, it's okay to have like macabre stuff, but it's also humorous. Like the like monsters. I like, yeah, I like just the dark monster stuff, like the old classic Frankenstein, uh, Dracula stuff. Like I like just okay, it's just a dark monster movie, but Adam's Family, I started okay, it could be quirky, odd. Again, the younger readers, we just say Tim yeah. Burton. Okay, I get it. Yeah, you know, Nightmare Before Christmas. Yeah. You know, Corpse uh, Bride Herman. and all that. Yeah, Corpse Bride, where it could be very macabre, but also very uh, humorous, maybe even cute, right? Yeah, you know, yeah. tr- which trips people out. So it was that type of stuff. And then, like, the early Spider Man stories by Stanley and Steve Ditko, where, again, it's a brightly colored superhero, but uh, wisecracking, but. You know, he's got this heavy burden, right? I always thought Peter was Mexican as a kid. Like, man, he's got so much pressure. It's like, the media hates him, right, Jameson? Yeah. The police are after him. He's always broke. He's got to take care of his tia. Think about it. Yeah, no, yeah, look. He's a smart Latino kid, right, you know, in a bad neighborhood. He has the pressure of taking care of his older tia. His uncle passed away. His parents aren't around. Yeah. He has the pressure of good grades. He gets bullied a lot because he's different. 
Yeah. And, you know, the only the only thing you got coming back is a good sense of humor because life's beating you down. Might as well throw a joke in there. You know, I, hey, yeah. I think you're right, man. There could be something there. Yeah, exactly. So, plus he had brown hair. So, okay, yeah. Oh, as a kid, you're like, okay, maybe he's Latino. But, um, <laughs> so, yeah, those type of things stuck with me, you know. Um, and, of course, when I got to doing my own comic, a lot of that and other stuff went into it. Um, but... You know, I mean, you that, yeah. you mentioned Ditko, and you're a big Ditko fan. Let's talk, let's mention that. Like, you when you say Ditko, you take it serious. Like, I've seen your stuff online, and you've mentioned them in conversations. Like, what? Why is Ditko such a big important uh, figure for you? Yeah. So Steve Ditko, just so everybody's caught up. So, you know, the original Spider-Man, Stan Lee, the mm-hmm. writer. He only wrote it, people. It's going to surprise people. And then, of course, someone has to draw these things. In the case of Spider-Man, it was this artist called Steve Ditko who, you know, I guess Stanley had the idea, hey, this guy gets bit by Spider. But back then, at least, and in, especially in this in this case, because Stan did not draw anything. Mm-hmm. No, Ditko had to come up with the costume. Like that costume, number, the face is all covered up, and it's the freaky web pattern. Yeah. And just the way... The way he drew him, kind of skinny and, you know, creepy crawly on the wall and, you know, like all that stuff. And 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 Aunt May, the way she looks, the way she looks, because Dicko drew her, she looks like a really old viejita. And Jameson looks the way and Doc Ock and the, the lizard, they Green Goblin, they all look the way they look, because that artist, that's how he designed them. It's not because Stan Lee said, oh, the Green Goblin is green with a big pointy nose and the red. No, you know, he didn't care what they looked like. I mean, it was up to the artist. So that's why we call them co-creators. Um, and I don't care what Stanley says to his dying day, and he already died, unfortunately. Yeah. Uh, that, that, that's a co-creation. One guy came up with the idea for it, I guess, but that doesn't, that doesn't make you the creator. He came up with the idea. It's the two of you together putting it out in the world. You co-created it. Anyway, so as a kid, I read some of those as reprint, and then Dick would start popping up through the 70s, and the 80s and 90s and other, he'd go back to Marvel once in a while. He'd never work on Spider-Man again. And he, for the last 35 years, he mostly did independent self-published work with his uh, partner, Robin Snyder. Robin would publish it. Steve would do the art. So, you know, like to me, like, oh, look at Dicko. He created, co-created one of the, probably the planet's, one of the planet's most recognizable characters yeah. right of all time yeah my and kid yet, loves him man my kid loves spider-man like hands oh it's not a kid who probably doesn't like yeah uh spider-man at the same time he had enough of uh i don't know what you call it shut spa whatever he wanted to create his own stuff yeah he didn't he didn't care about recreating spider-man success or he is now i just have these stories to tell if people don't if people don't flock to him like the old days well you know Whatever, I still want to put him out because that's what I want to do. So yeah. he he has tons of characters he created. So I've always respected that. As when I became an independent creator, like okay, you could be at the top of the mountain as far as success and fame, and you could also be on the side roads of independent press, uh, and do your work. So and then you know it's a lot of the way he draws that I love. His, his particular design of the way he draws the human figure, the way he stages things the way he approaches storytelling and, and all that. Um, so, yeah, he's always been a favorite of mine. That's uh, no, good, man. I mean, I like and, the fact that the work he's worked on, you know, he did Doctor Strange too, right? Like, he worked on that. And, like, the fact that you're right. I think kind of I really wanted to touch on what you said with the co-creator, right? Because one thing is, like, me and Walter joke around sometimes, and I'll throw ideas at him because I write. And I'm like, hey, man, mm-hmm. I got this cool idea. Here's a concept of time travel and blah, 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 blah. Uh-huh. And Walter comes back and goes, well, the physics behind it are blah, 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 blah. And I go, listen, man, I'm just the idea guy. You're the science guy. Make that shit make sense and we'll make something happen. Like, you know, like, but right. if it's me by myself, it's not going to pan out. I like to have the co-creator. Like, you need that back and forth. But you work on your own a lot, Javier. Do you work with anybody else ever to kind of bounce ideas? No, no, the actual, like, no. Like, Almuerto's, I've, I've done things with other people, like, sure. a friend of mine would ink one of the stories, uh, or I would ink one of his, but, no, Almuerto and most of my stuff, no, no, I don't bounce anything off anybody until the work is done. I go, hey, check out this work. Mm-hmm. Once in a while, once in a while, I mean, I showed a friend of mine, Rody, like, uh, some early Almuerto stuff, but, no, I just feel it's just got to be, 
that singular voice. I mean, nothing against nothing against editors or anything, but yeah. uh, for me, see, I always approached my comic art, the comic book creator capacity, whatever you want to call, it, kind of like a painter. Okay. You know, a guy who paints, you know, he paints a picture. Mm-hmm. That painter, he just sits there and sketches it out and he paints it. it like he's not going to ask somebody, oh, should I put two trees in the background or four? You know, well, whatever it is. Yeah, so there's this quote from Steve Ditko I was looking up. I just found it. Mm-hmm. Uh, kind of ties in what we're talking about, like singular person working on it, brand name. So let me, here it is. It's an old quote. Um, when I do a job, it's not my personality that I'm offering the readers, but my artwork. It's not what I'm like that counts. It's what I did and how well it was done. I produced a, pro- I produced a product, a comic art story. Steve Ditko is the brand name. So, yeah, it's like any book I put out, it's kind of basically stamped, bam, by Javier Hernandez. Like, that's my book. I did it, right or yeah. wrong, hate it or love it, whatever. Um, it's, it's something I worked on. There it is. No, no, no. I love it because, like, when you put your name on something, you know you're going to get that quality of work. Like, we talked about, you know, Tim Burton and, you know, Wes Craven and John Carpenter. Like, you know what you're getting. And right. you become a fan of the creator, not necessarily the item, right? So if you put out, randomly came out and said, hey, Freddie, I have a whole new character. I'll be like, well, definitely. You wrote it. Let me check it out. Because it's right. your name on it that I like. Your work. Your ethic behind it. So I get why Ditko said that. And it makes sense. Like, he has pride in the work he did. and But he's more so like, hey, that that was... You can appreciate the, the work. And he's not worried about... When anybody else says if it's not the story or the how it turned out, it's just hey, here's the product. I made this. It looks awesome. You guys love it. Great. That's the work I do. So and, he, and that quote from that quote is from 1969. It's actually rare to hear any artist, what a comic artist or actor, would like refer to themselves as a brand name. So he was kind of way ahead by 20 years with that word. To be honest, um, that's kind of interesting. No, it is, man. I mean, you, you you're right. I think that. People that are that we look at and they were so forward thinking, right? You know, like Ditko, like you said, and the way he did work and, the, and the, what he was doing was very forward thinking. A lot of the movie uh, directors we mentioned earlier, very forward thinking, right? Not the norm. You're not of the norm. You want to handle this product, you know, your your creation by yourself. Uh, you know, I, I wish that you know El Muerto would would move forward to where my kids in his teens and you know trying to share this with his buddies or whatnot you know my kid loves creating right. he wants to be a comic book creator right now because you know that could change wow. um but he does and it's great to to be able to say hey check out these great stories check out you know Javier's work here's a fun little you know spin-off you know a manga here's a fun uh you know the cochito i love it it's funny it's a goofy my wife loves it like she bought it at, at a show that's awesome <laughs> and and she loved it and she has the keychain and muerto keychain on her keys and he's like what's that oh it's el muerto and like it's a cool little conversation starter so man you're doing right you're putting your name on things that matter and people like and the latino community at least from my point of view needs to support our creators because you're the reason why we can have these conversations, man. The reason we're out here doing this because there's a line of guys right behind you that want to be where you're at just as far as the ethic and the control. So you've done good work, Javier. And, you know, I know family is a big thing for you. I wanted to say happy birthday to your brother. I know he recently had a birthday this past weekend. Yes, he's just turned 60. He's uh, the first uh, the first child in the family that my parents had. Yeah, he's our... The oldest brother, Albert, Albert, turned 60. Yeah, I got to say about my brother. Um, so if it wasn't for him, let's be honest. I tell everybody when I'm talking to you or the movie producers or anybody. or fa- If it wasn't for my brother, I probably, you and me wouldn't be talking right now, probably because when I was a kid, about eight years old, my brother gave me a stack of comics. Like for him, it was moving on to high school. It was, was just losing interest in comics. Yeah. Good for me. So he gives me all these comics. So I read, I don't know, what, 30 or 40 comics? I read them over and over and over, and I just fall in love with that storytelling medium. Yeah, not just the characters, Spider-Man, Batman, but I don't know, something about, wow, someone can draw and write this story over 18 pages, and it tells, you know, this this adventure. So after I read his books over and over, which were now my books, I go to the local 7-Eleven, and back then the comics were a quarter apiece, so... My mom gives me a dollar or two. I can go buy four or eight comics. And that's where it started, the comic bugs. This was 45 years now, my God. Um, and he also used to draw. 
and he used to draw like these uh, cartoony looking like sport guys, like a, a basketball player, football player, baseball player with, you know, really big, like really cartoon looking. Yeah. Like maybe like the in a Bugs Bunny cartoon, real big jaws and okay. big arms. Popeye-ish. So, yeah, very, yeah, very Popeye-ish. And so again, here's eight-year-old me. And I tell everybody, if you got a younger sibling, you know, be careful because they're going to pick up what you do. Um, <laughs> yeah. Uh, so I started drawing. So I started drawing because he drew. And what am I drawing? I'm drawing comics because that's what he gave me. So that – and I always tell him. He always, he always trips out when I tell him that. He's oh, it's good to hear that. I go, yeah, because you got me into that stuff. Who knows what I would have got into later. Maybe I would have found comics. But yeah. because it was such a burning thing and it's right there in my house from my older brother – that that sealed my fate, I think, for the rest of my life, which I'm so thankful for. So that's why I say we might not have been talking, Freddie, because I could have got into something else, right? Like ceramics, I don't know, ceramics, or <laughs> building car models, whatever. Yeah. Like, it's all good or basketball, it's and true. I'd be on some other guy's podcast right now. Yeah. Oh yeah, I'm a big basketball fan because my brother got me into that in 45 years. So it's true. Um, it's really amazing how one little tiny thing can influence you, and like like you're doing with your son. Yeah, and that's so great. No, it's a, um, it's 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 great. I mean, in a way, it kind of translates to you teaching, right? You kind of are, are teaching kids and showing them for the first time, hey, you can do this too, you know? And even the younger guys coming up with their work, they kind of look at you as someone in the industry, like, hey, you've been doing this for a while, you know, what tips do you have? That's why people reach out to you, man. You know, I think it makes sense that you still have that kind of like your brother. Your brother kind of, all he did was just, hey, man, here's some cool things you might like. And, yeah, basically. And and, and you kind of have a little bit of that, too. You go, hey, that's cool. You can try that. But it's not like you're forcing it upon anybody. It's not like you're you're asking to get asked. You know, it's just it's what it is, man. It translates into what you're doing. It translates into you helping out with the kiddos. And I dig it, man. Your, your stamp on things means something. Your name, your brand. You know, you're doing you're doing right, Javier. You really are. Thanks. Thank you. Freddie. You know, today at the at the class, the, the one class ended today at the, after 10 weeks. So. At the end of class, I told the students, hey, guys, so let's pretend I just walked into the class like I did eight, ten weeks ago. Mm-hmm. Raise your hand if you've done made a comic. So two guys raised their hand, right, because they made their own comics. Yeah. And then the rest of the class didn't. And then I go, raise your hand if you ever thought about making your own comic. And then one or two other ones raised their hand, like, okay, so you guys thought about it. I go, now, today, raise your hand if you've made a comic. So everybody in the class raised their hand. I go, you see? Ten weeks ago, you never did one, and now because you tried it, you know, I mean, you weren't judged whether it feels great or not. Yeah. You guys did it. You did something that you never done before. So hopefully, you can apply that to anything else in your life. You know, you never took a algebra test. Well, you know, maybe you can maybe you can pass it this time. You got to work <laughs> on it, but so anything's possible, right? Yeah. Whatever you put your mind to it, and. Um, you know, do the best you can and don't worry about being judged like, oh, he's better, she's better. Just do the best that you can. So like in my said, case, just do it. I love that it's comics. Yeah. yeah, just do it. Just do it. Do your thing because you like it, right? And I, I love that message from you because I've, I've listened to that in my head and I go, dude, the guy, the guy you like, the guy you like his work, you know, he tells you, just go do it. Just do it for you, you know? Do it for you. You'll like it. If someone has a critique, okay, okay, I can tweak it, but do your work, you know? And well, not even well, not even tweaking. Like, okay, well, you didn't like that's fine. Oh, look that's at you, man. See, I'm more on. A, see, I'm still, I'm still, I'm still like on this whole like, oh, maybe I can change it. Okay, what, what don't you like? Like, I said, I guess I'm still haven't found my like, my, I haven't put my foot down when it comes to my work. You know, I don't know. It's just like, yeah, that's, time. That's a good word. As an artist, you, you do. I was reading this interview. This other uh, storyteller I love, Clint Eastwood. Oh, okay. um, I mean, people know him for his you know, Dirty Harry or the. But he's the man's directed like forty or fifty movies, so he's a very skilled storyteller. So he was—I was reading this interview with him, and he was saying, "It was yeah, you know, sometimes I hear these interviews with other directors, and they're kind of hemming and hawing about, yeah, maybe I should have done this, maybe, you know, on a particular film." And, and Eastwood thinks it was, "Yeah, I don't know, maybe those guys shouldn't even be making movies." I was like, Whoa. "Wow!" So, but I think what he's saying is, like we're just saying right now, like, "Hey, I made this film." In his case, my case, I made it. It's done. I put it out, and there's it's it's over with. It's done. So, I'm not saying it's a genius thing. I'm just saying I'm done. So you can hate it, you can like it, you can say this isn't right, or I like this about it, but not that. 
But, you know, for me, as an artist, it's over. I'm not going to go back and fix it. Quote, unquote, fix it. Oh, yeah, because it makes sense. Like, it's done. Like, you, this is what you needed to do, right? Yeah, and I'll go on to the next thing. Shit, man. You know? I feel like it's torture for, for an artist that can't finish something. Ah, uh, yes, exactly. Okay, you asked me early on in the conversation, what questions do you hate or... <laughs> <laughs> that would be another one like oh I just can't I don't know when to finish it's like well, I don't know what to tell you man because we could be here five hours saying oh wow if you don't know when it's done then why did you even start I don't know yeah someone <laughs> told me once like do you have an ending and I go well, yeah I know how it kind of ends like no no do you have an ending because if you don't have right. an ending why the fuck are you writing a story because you have no idea what you're going to be walking around in circles trying to figure out your ending you know and like I said, that that's everybody's like, what is it? Everybody's uh, theory on storytelling. Everybody's pacing, like you said. Everybody right. has their own way. But yeah, I mean, I guess I as a creator have to get to that point where I'm like, okay, I like it. Shouldn't matter what anybody else says. It's done. And there's gonna be an audience that likes it. There's gonna be an audience that can't stand it. And maybe there'll be the right. guys in the middle, right? That's kind of what everything is. And the majority of the world is gonna be indifferent to it. Yeah. They won't even know. They, they, yeah, they don't even acknowledge it. So yeah. it's not even they have an opinion about it. So yeah. that you better get damn used to as an artist, anybody. Because <laughs> my friend Rafael Navarro has a great quote. It's, the world doesn't owe you a favor. It's and true. it doesn't take much to figure out what that means. It's like, yeah, you spent five months, a year, five years making this comic. And you worked really hard. And it cost you a marriage or whatever, right? You went in a ba- So here it is. And... Only a few people like it. Like, well, just because you suffered a lot for it doesn't mean it's, you're not going to get paid back automatically. It's not like a, a system. Oh, it cost Freddie 50% of his life to do this book, so he's got to get 50%. Like, no, it doesn't matter. It's If they like it, they do. If they don't, they don't. And you're but right. go on to the next thing. Yeah, you're right, because you always hear that stuff. is like, is it a marketing thing where they're like, it took him eight years and five yeah, yeah, years to make this book. And it's like, but it's not that good. And you kind of go like, oh, blasphemy. No, no, I mean. <laughs> like, not, uh, I know, exactly. Like, you know, it's like, is Avatar 2 going to be that good? Because it's been fucking, what is it, 12 years since that movie, first Avatar came out? I don't know. Just saying. I know. He's, he's been threatening <laughs> us with like three sequels. It's like, <laughs> it's like the villain in the Bond movie. I'm threatening to drop this atomic bomb if you like. Okay, I'm going to okay. drop three sequels on you guys. Yikes. Exactly. <laughs> I, want, I wanted you to, um, you know, we're going to end our, our, our show here tonight. I definitely want to thank you for, for, you know, talking with us, just sharing with me, man. I love having conversations with you. You motivate me. You do. And you wanted to share a little bit of uh, your poem that you wrote uh, when you mentioned earlier, the night before Navidad. So, oh, wow. You want me to, yes, yeah, I, I do, man. Do, I can literally do a uh, live reading. This will be the first time I think I, yeah. This is definitely the first time I've read this, like in an interview, no, in do a it, podcast. Man. I want it. I want it. I want the Javier experience, that brand. Awesome. Okay. So yeah, I'll do this, and then um, else we'll send people off. So yeah. yeah, this is a poem I wrote in 2005. It's my mashup of Dia de los Muertos and Christmas. If Tim Burton can do it with Halloween and Christmas, <laughs> I figured we got to give the raza and everybody else out there. Their Day of the Dead meets uh, Feliz Navidad. Let's do it. So, here we go. The night before Navidad. It was the night before Navidad in the cemetery where we find El Muerto, the Aztec zombie. <laughs> his stocking he hung off his tombstone with care in the hopes that San Nicolas soon would be there. El Muerto lay peacefully atop his own grave. No evil to fight, no one to save. Visions of Maria danced in his head, wishing once more that he were not dead. The silent night grew long and cold as he lay there upon a bed of marigold. His most cherished dream would not give a rest. Diego longed for his heart for his heart back in his chest. Then, with the approach of midnight, to his most welcome delight, a noise there atop the mausoleum. Equally, he could see him. A great jolly man, brash and bright red, joyous enough to wake all the dead. And with him, hard to believe, oh dear, I kid you not, Yes, eight Calaca reindeer. A crimson and white suit made by the elves. Black boots from Tijuana, straight off the shelves. A great red sombrero atop his grand head. And he flew about on a magical sled. Now Miklo, now Pepe, now Sochi and Flaco. 
I'm Kukui, I'm Quetzal, I'm Pablo Isato. We've done our gift giving for the departed and dead. Now for the living while they sleep in their bed. Off into the sky Santa Claus flew. More presents to deliver for me and for you. Diego ran to the tree, decked out in light. He hurtled the gravestones with all his dead might. As he neared the tree, he looked for a gift. Wondering for a second, was Santa too swift? His heart all a-quiver, he knelt down to see. If he had a heart, I know, just enjoy the story. Unwrapping the box, the truth came to light. His present was indeed a wonderful sight. Not a heart for his body, or Maria, his treasure, but something else that brought him true pleasure. There in the box, all awash in bright light, was a large sugar skull crafted just right. Decked out in colors, pink, green, and yellow, and written on top his name, Juan Diego. He stood, lifting the calavera up quite proudly, declaring to the world in a voice most loudly, It's good to be remembered this wonderful evening. Feliz Navidad to the dead and the living. Wow. Man, that's there the first go. time I ever heard that. I love it, Javier. That is like... <laughs> thank you, thank you. Yes, cue in the, uh, cue in the applause track here. Seriously. <laughs> Definitely, man. Like, I, I love it. I thought it was clever. It was sweet. Um, there's a lot of heart in there, you know? There's a lot of heart in there. No pun intended. Uh, yeah, I know, uh, I know. For a, a story about a guy without a heart, I do give him a lot of heart. You give him a lot of heart, man. Javier, I, I loved it. Uh, man, please, please tell us, uh, you know, where can people find you? Where can people buy your stuff? We definitely want to support you. Uh, you know, what's your social media? Can share here for the audience. Yeah, yeah. So I got my old, this old website blog thing called uh, Havzilla.com, J-A-V-Z-I-L-L-A, like Godzilla, but Havzilla.com. If they go there, um, they can read all the entries, but if they go to the right, they'll see the little button for my web shop. So go to Havzilla.com and click on the right-hand button on the first page. It says Los Comics Web Shop, where you could buy your own copy of... Um, uh, the night before Navi that comic book. It's got some other short stories in there. It's got a manga muerto story, uh, defunct Diego, which is my take on the Bazooka Joe Bubblegum comics. Yeah, and uh, it's got a really old El Muerto story from 1999. I think it's the second story I ever did. It's a short story called Mad Martian Party, and the whole book's in color, unlike oh, the wow. graphic novel. So it's, it's a full color comic. Yeah. Um. So yeah, go to Havzilla. Uh, I'll just give out the um. Instagram, since that seems to be where everybody's at nowadays. Yeah, man. Uh, I'm on Instagram. It's uh, Javier Los Comics. You know, Javier, J-A-V-I-E-R, L-O-S-C-O-M-E-X. Uh, but if they go to my Havzilla.com, on the right-hand side below the web shop, all my Facebook and uh, Twitter's on there. So, um, But go to Havzilla.com. That's the main starting point, I guess. And Perfect. they can find my social network from there. No, but no, no, man, definitely. We are. Thank you, Freddie, so much. It was really great uh, talking with you again. I gotta say one thing. Sure, I gotta man. say one really good, important thing. I think. Okay. Um, and hope it's not out of bounds. No, nah, man, go ahead. So I'm glad that this podcast here, you know, my people's podcast, it's very obviously heavy Latino flavored influence, yeah. and it's great. And we spent the whole hour and a half half talking about art and there wasn't one question it's not a bad thing, but yes i'm latino and the whole reason i created el muerto was i wanted to see more representation uh, i'm very politically aware you know a lot of pretty scary things happening in the country yeah man there are um, and many of them targeting latino population and it's just worsened by people you know taking the president at his worst and making it worse but I do so many interviews and podcasts and panels and such, and sometimes I get thrown the question, oh, what do you think about immigrating? <laughs> and on the one hand, I understand, but I do kind of resent times, like, how come you're Latino? It always has to be about that specific political question. Um, so, because yeah. a lot of times it's like, like all these artists I mentioned, Tim Burton, Sean Carpenter, they never, I've read tons of interviews with those guys, and I, I can read a whole book on those guys when they're being interviewed and no one ever asked him what do you think about you know whatever presidents at the time Reagan or yeah. you know, Clinton whatever 
they don't get political questions. And me as an artist, like, yeah, I'm Latino, a Latino artist. But at the same time, I'm so glad it just we just focused on art. You asked me about storytelling, about character. I talked about my influences. So there's nothing wrong with political questions. Nothing wrong with Latino creators being political. No. Um, but I'm just saying, man, it's actually refreshing for me to be, to get through this whole <laughs> podcast like that. No, well, and I... I, I... I like. I, I thank you. No, no. I, I. You know what? Because I, <laughs> I left him speechless. That's awesome. You did. You left me speechless. Um, and that's hard to do. Uh, <laughs> but me and Walter a while back, like we, there's so much bullshit going on in the world. There's so much yep, expe- yep, yep. expectation <laughs> from a Latino creator that has an audience that they automatically have to comment on any Latino issue. Sure, they're important. Yeah, we can have those conversations. But if 99% of them are doing the same thing, me and Walter were like, you know what, man? There's so much bullshit going on in the world. Let's just have fun and have a conversation with a friend, with the primo, right? It doesn't always have to be beating you over the head with whatever the, the hot topic of the week is. It's just about the conversation. If it happens to come up, right. great. If it doesn't, it doesn't. And I appreciate you say you you're enjoying our conversation, Javier, because it's always fun talking to you, man. I love it, and I really appreciate it. Yeah, same here, my friend. So hopefully next time I have uh, Walter on, and uh, I get more hardball questions lobbed my way. It's there all you good. go, it's man. All good. There you go, man. Well, take care, primo. Thanks again, Javier, for all your time, my friend. I'll be in touch, and guys, go support our primo out there. Go check out Havzilla.com and go check out El Muerto and keep an eye out on his Instagram. At Javier Los Comex. Thanks, Freddy. Bye bye. Adios. Adios.